This is episode 57 of the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast with Lance Merrill. I hope anyone that is curious in music therapy, I hope this motivates them to do their research and really consider it. If someone decides not to go into music therapy because of that, that's great. That's something they can check off their list and move on to the next thing that they're interested in. Um, but I do appreciate this, uh, this opportunity. And I will say I, as someone that is just coming into the field and even just as a student, I welcome anyone that wants to reach out with any insight or thoughts, or just wants to say hi and be my music therapy friend. Um, I just want to be as connected as possible. And so I welcome anyone to to reach out and anyone to take the survey or to share the survey. Again, we're we're looking to get more more respondents and, and the more people that we hear from the better, the more experiences and the diversity that we get the better. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. I hope you're doing well today and taking care of yourself. In today's episode, we have my conversation with Lance Merrill, who is currently studying music and psychology and planning to transfer into a music therapy equivalency program soon. And this conversation is really unique because Lance shares how he found out about music therapy Uh, and then how he is tailoring his current education to prepare him for his equivalency program. And he has already started doing music therapy research, which is phenomenal. He is currently working on a research project about the LGBTQ plus community and their relationship with music in their coming out process. And his survey for that is linked in the show notes. So please check it out support his research um there as he says in this episode there was a gap he's trying to fill even if you think music wasn't involved in your coming out process fill out the survey anyway because that's important data to have so i hope you enjoy this interview if you're also someone who's thinking about studying music therapy or going into a music therapy program and you're like lance and you found this podcast welcome Uh, this is the episode for you and i hope you enjoy Uh, my conversation with Lance. We also talk about his uh, private lessons that he's doing and different music therapy techniques that he's kind of learned about or that he's tried and seen that they work. So we also talk about some advice for other people giving private lessons. If you're enjoying the show, 
please consider joining our group on Facebook, finding us online on Instagram at Music Therapy Chronicles on all the platforms. You can also support us by coming by becoming a patron on patreon.com. That link is always in the show notes. And I forget to say this all the time, but subscribe to the podcast so that the episode is automatically downloaded to your device when it is released each week. All right, without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Lance. Lance, welcome to the Music Therapy Chronicles. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited to have you on. How are you feeling today? I'm doing all right. Uh, some allergies are acting up, but I have my tea, so hopefully that'll help. I love that. <laughs> I always have um, a liquid to drink too, whether it's tea or water. So I like when the guest also has that because sometimes they're talking so much and I'm like, oh no, wet your whistle. Like, <laughs> yeah. He has one in each hand for the listeners who can't see him. <laughs> Tea and water. <laughs> Love that. Love that. All right. So to get us started, can you tell the listeners um, about yourself? And it can be outside of music therapy, whatever you'd like to share. Yeah. So uh, I live in Utah um, and I am a music student at Utah Valley University, uh, studying music and minoring in psychology. Um, I also teach uh, private piano and voice lessons at a couple studios here. Um, I do a lot of music, <laughs> uh, but outside of music, I love to cook. I love spending time in the kitchen and creating. Um, most of the television shows that I watch are cooking shows, uh, and I get a lot of inspiration from there. I love long walks on the beach. <laughs> um, but we don't get a lot of those here in Utah. Mm. Um, and I don't know. That's about it. I do a lot of music and I do a lot of cooking outside of that. I, that kind of takes up most of my life. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Have you ever seen the show Nailed It on Netflix? Yes, <laughs> but I really struggle watching it. <laughs> because I love watching shows where they create a nice product. Mm. And Nailed It is kind of making fun of people that can't create a good product. Yeah. And I just get frustrated because I'm like, I want to see something good. <laughs> I got you. Uh, yeah, that was one of my um, quarantine go-to shows. Okay. I was like, oh, this is, you know, a little mindless, a little funny. But it inspired me yeah. to bake. I, I started making zucchini bread like every week since March. <laughs> good. As long as it's inspiring you to do something, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, isn't that the point, right? We're all feeling motivated right now in this this era. Yes. So yes. can you tell us how you found music therapy? Yes. Well, this was actually a very recent discovery. As you know, Trisha, we've been in communication. Um, so I, it, I'll go way back into my middle school years. Uh, when I decided that I wanted to be a music teacher. And um, it was actually, <laughs> it was a day where my um, my choir teacher was going to be absent. And so she had a sub, but the community where we lived 
usually the music subs weren't very experienced in music. So it was kind of just like a do whatever you want day, but she wanted us to practice. So she said, Lance, I know you can play the piano. Will you lead rehearsal? And I was like, okay, sure. Why not? So I led the rehearsal and it was the funnest thing I had ever done. And the sub said, I have another choir class coming in. Would you want to stay and run that class too? And that was just the funnest experience. And that was the day that I said, I'm going into music. I'm going to be a music teacher. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And so all through middle school and high school, anything music I could get my hands on, I did. And I worked on and I set all these goals and I everything with the, with the goal of doing music education. Um, and then when I started school, when I started um, at the university, I started in music education, but I kind of felt like, well, maybe there's some other topics I'm interested in. I took a psychology class and absolutely fell in love. Um, and my roommate at the time would actually tease me because I, I would share all these things from my textbook from him or to him. And he's like, you're obsessed. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? He's like, no one reads their textbook like you do. And I'm like, it's so fascinating. Why would you not want to read this? <laughs> uh, and that's where I started getting this shift of maybe music isn't the only thing I can do. So I started studying psychology. Um, and that kind of led me into working in um, mental health. Fields. Um, I worked in a facility for adults with substance abuse for about a year. Um, then I worked in geriatrics at an assisted living facility. And during this time, I was kind of not distancing myself from music, but I just wasn't studying music anymore. And um, I had a little while in communications and studying interpersonal communications and how we work as humans with each other. And um, and after a couple years of that, I realized I really miss music and I want to be studying music. I've been performing music and taking music lessons and stuff, but I miss studying music. So I decided to, um, go back into music. And when I started the music program at the university I'm at right now, I, through my life experiences, I realized I don't know if education is exactly what I want to do, but I want to study music. So what else is there? And so I just did a bunch of research and I found music therapy. And initially I really loved it, but I told myself that I wasn't going to make a decision until I did my research and I really felt confident. So that quest was started and I just went down the rabbit hole and uh, I found this podcast, which was a great resource. And we've communicated briefly about that. Um, hearing so many different perspectives and experiences of music therapy was really eye-opening to the potential of the field. Um, communicating with music therapists, um, reading blogs and going on the AMTA and just, I did all the research I could. And then I, after about a semester of doing this, I said, yep, this is what I want to do with my music. So I'm 
currently in my music program at my university. They don't offer a music therapy program. So my plan is to finish out my undergrad and then to move to an equivalency program for my graduate work. So I'm fresh into the music therapy world. Yeah. So the, we'll get into all the awesome stuff you're already providing for our profession too. But I love that you mentioned that, hey, these, this is the research I was doing and this is the podcast I found because there are so many other listeners who reach out to me or reach out to a guest and say, I'm thinking about doing this. Like, can you give me more information? And for them to have this episode and be like, oh, I'm just like Lance. That's awesome. So <laughs> thank you for, for coming on and sharing that so that anyone who's feeling a little intimidated by that and making that decision, um, they know like, hey, we're all in it. We're all supporting each other. It's great. Awesome. So I guess we'll go to your research project in a sec, but since you are in a music program with some psychology and then you plan on transferring to a music therapy program, I guess, what has your training been like at this point? How are you kind of blending that and um, navigating that? Uh, good question. So, um, I don't know how I'm doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess everything that I'm doing, I'm just kind of, I, I guess I'm kind of mirroring what I had explained growing up in middle school and high school, where I had this future goal of music education and everything I did in music had that thought process of, this is going to help me be a better music teacher. This is going to help me be a better music director. And everything I did was with that in mind. And I, I guess I'm doing the same thing now. Um, in, my, in all of my classes, I'm just thinking, this is for music therapy. How do I apply this for music therapy? How, how am I preparing myself for music therapy? So, I mean, I'm not taking any music therapy classes, but I'm working on tailoring things um, that I'm learning to my future career. One example, I'm taking a, a class this summer, I'm taking abnormal psychology. Mm -hmm. And I guess I've just been writing questions as I'm reading about these different disorders and conditions of like, oh, I wanna go research how music is helping with phobias. And is anyone using music to, to work through phobias? And if so, what are the interventions? And if not, what are the holes that need to be filled? Or, you know, different um, mental disorders. What, how is music influencing this disorder? And how, how can we use music in a better way? You know, I guess I'm just kind of keeping music therapy in mind as I'm as I'm learning all these things and learning it through that lens. Yeah. What I love about that is it's so self-motivated, I think is like a traditional student and I'll use myself like, you know, 18 going into college and, you know, you've been doing school your whole life and it's kind of like, yep, these are the things I need to learn where you're like, I'm passionate about this. I'm ready to get going. I'm ready to apply it. I'm ready to explore. And it, it reminds me of how with some of our clients, we want their goals to be self-motivated too. We want them to kind of come up with their goals. And what do you want to work on and what do you want to get better at? So I love that you're doing that for yourself. That's, that's so beautiful. Yeah. I will say teaching private lessons has also been um, really good experience. I work 
mostly with youth and younger kids, but I have a few adult um, students. But it's it's helped me in you know in the future if I ever work in a one-on-one situation, therapeutic situation with youth or with kids. You know, how do I communicate with them? Um, I <laughs> there's actually. I laugh at myself because I, I kind of patted myself on the back after this situation, but I had a student come in and she was so sad and I have a great relationship with the student. She's very motivated. She's very, she loves the piano. And, um, her mom explained that, um, they've been in the process of moving for months. They moved from Germany and finally their stuff, a bunch of their stuff from Germany finally came and they couldn't get into their belongings because they had to come to piano. So she was really sad that she couldn't open up and get to her toys, get to her stuffed animals, all these things. And she just would not let go of her mom. She was crying. Very unusual for this girl. So I invited the mom back into the lesson with us and her mom was just kind of pushing and motivating and, you know, go sit at the piano, go to this. And I just thought, no, we need to give space for this. So I just said, tell me, what are you sad about? What do you want to see? What are you looking forward to seeing in those boxes? And we just kind of talked about, you know, the things she was missing and the things that she had been longing for and the stuffed animals she was looking forward to. And she started talking more and kind of working through this grief. And then after she was really engaging and really excited about talking about these things, I said, you know what, we're going to take an easy day today. Let's just listen to some music. And we, we talked about meter and listening to the different types of meter and music. And I had her choose, what are some of your favorite songs? What was a song that you learned in Germany? You learned about Beethoven. Tell me about Beethoven. And what's your favorite Beethoven song? And anyway, her mom was like, thank you. That was so great. And I'm just like, here I am, little mini therapist, saving the day during my music lesson. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's a great, like, how empowering for you too to know like, hey, it's not what mom necessarily expects. It's not, we're going to motivate her to sit down at the piano and do our thing. It's, it's, you know, knowing that it's okay to give her space and it's okay to try something different. And then when it works, mm-hmm. it's just like, it gives you so much more license to try different things in the future too, you know, and they won't yes. always work, but that's okay. I mean, I'm not saying this experience because it happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it was one out of few. So that's why I was patting myself on the back. Cause I was like, yes, success. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. So do you have any advice for other people maybe giving lessons right now? Maybe if they're in high school giving lessons to middle schoolers or anyone else who's thinking, I want to be a music therapist, I'm giving lessons. Any things that you have tried like that or techniques that you've read about that have really worked in your lessons that they could also use? Ooh, um, I mean, I have things in my lessons that I really like to do, but associated with music therapy um i guess right now given the current state of our country and the current state of a lot of individuals i've tried to just create space Mm. and you know if i have a student that comes in and 
makes a comment about the stress they're feeling or the sadness they're feeling or the anxiety they're feeling. I try to talk about it and oh, tell me more. And why do you say that? And um, try to give them space uh, in the lesson. And actually, I had a really great example of this with my voice teacher um, at my university there was a big LGBTQ um, kind of controversy at a local university. And although it wasn't ours, it was nearby. And I went into my lesson and he, um, before we started, he said, I actually was there early. He said, we have like seven minutes before our lesson. So I want to talk to you as, not as your music teacher right now. How are you feeling? And we spent most of the lesson that day just talking. And he said, you know, I know you're paying me to teach you voice and I'm sorry for opening this can of worms. We can start practicing and doing your lesson. And I was like, no, this is really good for me to come into a space with someone that I share a very intimate part of myself with, my voice and my mistakes and my learning process to have them see me not just as a student, but as a person. And it was a really bonding experience for us where I, I felt more trust towards him. I already trusted him a lot with how he taught was, was really great for me and it worked really well, but that added to his, his humanity side, not just as an instructor. And so I respect him even more as a human, as well as an instructor. So I guess giving, giving space and letting, you know, letting individuals feel if, if they're really feeling upset, okay, let's play an upset song today. Let's, let's play your scales really angrily. Now play them really sad. Now play them with some, some excitement and motivation. And, you know, I don't know. These are all kind of just spitballing stuff, but I, I, I'm, I'm a very kind of spontaneous person. So I just kind of feel the mood and go with it. Those are my thoughts right now, but get me in a lesson and I might do something different. <laughs> <laughs> I love those, uh, especially because if you said scales and playing them kind of with different emotions, what a great way to work on your musicality and your musicianship and like also tie into that therapeutic it's like hey we're getting we're getting through this we're working through this we're experiencing it in the music um and that's a technique you know anyone can use so and yeah. and kudos to you for being that teacher but also the mentor uh, I had a similar experience in college where my my lesson professor my studio professor was this amazing mentor in my life and he was just a great human being and um, you know, to be in a room with another person for 30 minutes to an hour every week and have them critique everything you're doing. And like, he would always call me out and be like, if I was playing something wrong, he would say like, you, you're playing this piece, but you sound sad today, or you sound angry today. And he's like, we need to talk about that before we can practice this because you're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I will add, um, another thought for any music teachers that are listening, um, just this week, I had a 
kind of an aha moment. I have a student that is a beginner student and he wanted to learn uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean. And obviously he's not at a, at a level to play an ornate version. So we found a very simplified version and he's been working on it and he's really been trying so hard and making progress, but it's been pretty difficult for him. And I mentioned some comment of like, this would be a fun song to learn just to myself. And he's like, you should learn it. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, if you're learning it, I'll learn it. Let's learn it together. So I found uh, an arrangement that's more on my level. And it's been so fun working on it. And I'm thinking about him every time I'm working on it. And as soon as, as soon as I said, yeah, let's learn this together, he said, and then we can learn um, Hall of the Mountain King <laughs> because he really loves that song. And I was like, okay, one at a time. But I realized how motivating it was for an instructor to be right there with a student working on a piece with them. And so, um, so yeah, I, I think I want to try doing that more with students to be like, if, or... Or I've been, I've been showing them what I'm learning. You know, since I've been working on Pirates of the Caribbean, I'll, if my student comes in yesterday with my students, they came in and I just, before our lesson, I said, do you want to hear what I'm practicing? And I played a little bit and um, some of them were like, eh, yeah, cool, whatever. Some of them were like, that's awesome. That's so cool. And we talked about the music and, but I guess it's important for, for your students to see that you're working on things, that you're there with them, improving, um, practicing, uh, maybe learning the same song as them. I don't know. That's been an insight that I've been thinking about this week that I've really appreciated. Yeah. I, that made me think, too, a lot of the times a teacher will send you, you know, watch this person play this instrument online. And it's, a, you know, a very uh, accomplished professional musician. And that's like what you're comparing yourself to, where you as the teacher, me as the teacher, uh, I'm assuming are more of a middle ground, right? It's kind of like, ah, oh, like this is a person I know. And like they eat pizza on the weekends and they can also play this Beethoven piece in like a really articulate way. So good for you. That's really, that's really great. And they can play this Beethoven piece not very well because they're still <laughs> learning it. <laughs> yes. And how comforting that is for the student that my teacher is not perfect. Mm. And sometimes I sometimes I think we as students imagine that. Yeah. And I'm gonna go back to my instructor um at my university. He one of the things that he told me on in our like very first lesson was that he has struggled for years with so many bad vocal habits. And he says, if I'm not thinking, those habits still come back. Mm -hmm. And he has made so many mistakes in our lessons. And he'll try to demonstrate something for me. And he's like, nope, I didn't do that right. He'll try it again. Nope, that still didn't sound right. He'll try it again. And he'll be like, okay, I think you get the idea that I'm trying to illustrate, right? Because I can't do it right now. And it's been so comforting for me. I feel very comfortable being with this instructor that has these flaws. That is a wonderful instructor, but demonstrates, wow, I'm, I still am struggling with this and you're struggling with this and we're struggling together. 
but he has gone through many years of learning how to teach people not to struggle with that. Mm. So it's like, he's not perfect. He has learned how to teach people. And so it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> we, we just laugh at each other. It's actually, we have a lot of fun in our lessons. Good. That's the way it should be. Lessons should be fun. It shouldn't be like yeah. the hour you dread every week. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Let's switch gears into your research because what you're doing for our profession is phenomenal. And I'm just going to let you take it away. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so I guess as I've been, when I made my decision, which was only last fall, well, it was the end of last fall semester because I spent all that semester doing my research into music therapy. I, I said, okay, I'm, I'm going into music therapy, but I still have two more years in my program. And I really not at a place where I can transfer to another school, but I don't want to, you know, if this is what I want to do, I don't want to waste two years of my life, which doing school is not a waste, but <laughs> this is my mentality. If I have my goal, I want to work towards my goal. So I thought, what can I do now to start my education, I guess. And I got an email from my university at the end of that semester saying, basically, you were a great student, you had great grades, here are some resources for you to dive into. And one of them was um, undergraduate research. And I thought, I could do a research project, I guess. Um, so, I did more research about research. <laughs> and um, what I'm learning in this process is I really love research. Um, and I talked with um, a faculty advisor, a faculty member, my uh, choir director, the head of the choral department um, at my university. And I just kind of told him, this is what I want to do with my career and with my music. And I want to start my education now. Could I do a research project in about music therapy, even though we don't have a music therapy program? And he was very supportive. And he said, yeah, you can, you know, we have students doing research regarding music, but in all different avenues of music. So he said, really, as long as it is centered around music, we as a department, I as a fa music faculty member, can can support this and he said it goes along with your educational goals of graduate work mm -hmm. so obviously this is going to help you and we talked about a lot of ideas um, especially because of my past experience working in substance abuse working in geriatrics um, being exposed to music in both settings and music therapy in um, in the substance abuse facility that I that I worked at, we had a music therapist come in, and that was that was also another factor. Looking back, that was a really positive experience. So fun, so fun, and the residents just loved it. Anyway, I digress. Uh, so just kind of looking back, I had all these ideas and things that I would be interested in researching, and another one of those being the LGBTQ community, myself identifying as gay and being a part of that community, 
wondering how can I give back to my community through music? And as I did research into all these different populations, compared to say substance abuse, geriatrics, childhood development was another one I'm interested in. The research around LGBTQ individuals and music therapy was lacking compared to these other populations. And I thought, well, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if there is a hole that I can fill. Yeah. So communicating with this professor, I, you know, I, I mentioned this and he's like, that would be really fascinating. And we kind of threw around some ideas and it, it was just a simple conversation that led to really the project that I have now, which is researching the influence of music in the coming out process for LGBTQ individuals. And, um, and so it's, it's kind of just been my personal education, I guess, um, working with local music therapists, um, communicating with music therapists around the country about research they've done in the past with LGBTQ plus individuals and um, maybe things that they wish they had done or things that they realized their project was lacking in that maybe I can incorporate into my project to help fill a gap. Um, and so it's been exciting to, to have a project centered around music therapy um, that is kind of like my, my education. And I told myself at the beginning of this experience, even if this is a complete flop, it will be experience that I can say, I did a research project regarding music therapy it totally fell apart, but hey, I did it. <laughs> but I don't believe it's going to fall apart. I have I don't faith. Think so. what, what you're doing is too important for it to fall apart. Um, and I think that the music therapy community, uh, I want to say recognizes that even if as a whole, we haven't necessarily taken the action or it's been slow. So I'm going to link your survey in the show notes for this. So for the listeners, definitely check that out. Um, fill that out so that we can get more of this going. Because what you're so on top of like you, you notice this hole, you're deciding to fill the hole uh, in this research. And it's like, well, where do I even start? You're also like trying to figure out how you're starting your music therapy education profession at the same time. Like you're you just have like this so much momentum around you and like so much it's just really inspiring that you have all this stuff you want to do and you're so self-motivated to like tie it all in and to grow more and to provide for this community. Um, Cause it's going to help so many of us. And yeah, I just really commend you for what you're doing and I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I, my parents have pointed this out in me um, when I get something like a goal in my head, it's like, okay, we're going for it. And sometimes they've been like, well, we can take it easy. And I'm like, no, I, I'm decided that's where it is. Why wait? Why should I take it easy? I'm going for it. So <laughs> this isn't, I've noticed this pattern and I just kind of laugh at myself because I'm like, this is fun. I have a goal and we're running for it. <laughs> yeah. So is, do you see this particular research project going somewhere? Or are you kind of just seeing where it takes you? 
Yes. Yeah, so um, I'm hoping to become a celebrity from this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Um, so the kind of the trajectory that I, I guess I'll talk a little bit about the the actual research project. And again, this is the first time I've ever done research and I am learning as I go. And um, I'm working with a music therapist in my community, Spencer Hardy, who um, has worked with LGBTQ individuals and has done research in the field. And I'm just like, teach me everything and guide me. Um, but basically what uh, we have, I guess, three phases of the research. But initially, as you mentioned, we have this survey um, trying to collect information of how individuals are naturally using music in their coming out process. Um, and we're, we're hoping to get, and we are getting a spectrum of experiences and identities from individuals. I say LGBTQ, but um, there's so many other, you know, the acronym can be very long for all the different identities. So I try to use plus to, to incorporate everyone, but um, we, so we've gotten many uh, responses, but we're still not necessarily to our goal of the, of the sample that we want. Um, so we have questions on that survey regarding just um, background information. Where do you live? How old are you? Um, how do you identify? What is your gender identity? What is your uh, sexual identity? Um, how old were you when you realized your unique sexual um, orientation or gender identity. Um, if you have come out, how old were you? Um, just kind of getting some background information. Then we ask questions about um, music experience. What, you know, are you a trained musician? Have you participated in groups? Do you teach music? Are you, um, are you a music therapist? What's your musical background? And then we ask questions like how did music if, if at all, how did music affect your coming out process? And this was kind of motivated by, because I had a lot of ideas of what I could do regarding LGBTQ individuals and music therapy. And I was kind of motivated by my friend who, when he came out publicly, he made this big Facebook post. And he told me um, that when he did that, he posted on Facebook, turned off his social media, and turned on let it go from frozen yeah and he said he listened to that nonstop all day and that was his motivation while being in such a vulnerable um space having shared something so personal about himself to everyone and not knowing the response and i was so fascinated by that natural response to go to music mm. and so i thought well if he's doing that i'm sure other people sh are doing that and knowing that music is such a universal language that i mean i haven't met an individual that doesn't have some personal relationship with music um and so we're just trying to see what's the natural tendency what are what are people naturally doing and so once we've collected our sample, then um, Spencer, as I mentioned, and I are going to look at this information and see, okay, what is naturally happening in the community? What are people doing 
unconsciously or maybe consciously, but well, what are the underlying factors in this? And then how can we use that to create interventions or improve interventions to then help individuals through their coming out process? Mm. And we recognize that coming out is is a process and it's not a one and done thing. Um, our survey is focusing more on that initial coming out because that is a very, that's kind of a pivotal moment for LGBTQ plus individuals. Um, but can these interventions help individuals as they come out in other aspects of their life? You know, maybe someone comes out to their family, but they haven't come out to their, to their, um, to their work associates, or maybe they're not out at school, or, you know, maybe, maybe they move to a new place that no one knows them. And they kind of wonder, do I communicate this? Do I not? You know, it, it's a process. It's a, it's a lifelong process to come out and then stay out. But we're hoping that maybe getting this insight into how people are using it in their initial coming out can help us create interventions that will make it a more productive process or maybe an easier process. I don't know if that's the word, um, but just provide resources that mm -hmm. are, that are data driven. So that's kind of the, um, the idea. And then we're hoping to implement those resources with some type of group and actually see, okay, is, does what we created actually work? And then collect data from that group and get feedback to see if, yeah, the, the things that we interpreted and created are beneficial or eh, that didn't really work. Let's try again. Let's look at the data again. Let's try something different. Why didn't it work? Um, and I'm really hoping that, you know, and there's so many avenues. It's so hard to just focus on this one thing because then I think of, unique individuals in the LGBTQ plus um, community, like transgender individuals who have such a unique uh, coming out process and transition process. And how is their process different and what needs are different if there are different needs? Um, I imagine there are, but, you know, I've kind of mentioned to people that this, this research is, it's going to, it's kind of one step after another, and it's just going to lead to more things, I imagine, um, because there's just so many more questions that come up as we are getting information and as we're working through this that it just gets me really excited. I'm just like, yes, I have all these ideas, and wow, there is a response I didn't expect. There's another idea of a project we can do, but, you know, it's so I've just been really excited about this. I can see like the mind map coming out behind you or like, you know, you have yeah. the bubble with the strings and the bubble with the strings and they're all attached in the middle. Uh, and you, when you were talking, it made me think of how music helps people discover their identity before they even go through, which I'm sure you've thought of this, but discover that, oh, what I'm experiencing may not be what the person sitting next to me in class is experiencing. And um, how they explore that through music and then like, what you're doing, how they use the music to facilitate their coming out process. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say I've had, um, I've had individuals reach out to me and say, music 
wasn't influential in my coming out process. Mm. So I don't want to fill out the survey. And my response to them is, please fill it out. <laughs> if it wasn't influential, we want to know why. Yeah. And maybe that will give us insight into what did you use in your process? And is there an element in that that we can incorporate into an intervention? So if anyone that is interested in taking the survey is listening, but is like, I had other factors, music was not a factor. I still want to hear from you and tell me why, because that's just going to add to the information that we, that we receive. Totally. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to see where that takes you. Um, yeah. And to learn, to learn from what you find and to see what else you research. And it's awesome that you're getting into the research because every profession needs their clinicians, their researchers, their teachers, you know, we all have a different role we need to play. Do you have any advice, advice for someone else who um, sees a gap and wants to fill it with something? Do you have any advice for them of how to get started? Do it. Do it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess for me, I had to do, and I mean, I think, I imagine this is the process for any research project. You have to do your preliminary research to make sure that no one has already done the research that you want to do. Um, you know, your literary review. Um, so I guess I would say if you have a gap that you're recognizing, um, do some research and see if it, if someone has filled it. And if it has been filled, obviously it's not being communicated well enough if you think there's still a gap. So maybe do your part to share that research or educate other individuals that may be in a similar space as you on research that you found to help um, actually fill that gap. Yeah. Good one. Good one. Do you have anything you want to add before we move into our rapid fire? Ooh, I don't think so. Other than I, I just really appreciate this opportunity to share. And I hope, um, one that is curious in music therapy, I hope this motivates them to do their research and really, consider it if someone decides not to go into music therapy because of that that's great that's something they can check off their list and move on to the next thing that they're interested in um but i do appreciate this uh this opportunity and i will say i as someone that is just coming into the field and even just as a student i welcome anyone that wants to reach out with any insight or thoughts or just wants to say hi and be my music therapy friend. Um, I just want to be as connected as possible. And so I welcome anyone to, to reach out and anyone to take the survey or to share the survey. Again, we're, we're looking to get more, more respondents and, and the more people that we hear from, the better, the more experiences and the diversity that we get the better. Awesome. Thank you for being on the show and sharing your insight because it's also what people need to hear. Thank you. Awesome. Coffee or tea? Tea, especially the tea that I'm drinking. It's like a cold buster tea. 
so good. <laughs> Early bird or night owl? Now, I've heard people describe this as when are you most productive? And I'm most productive in the morning, but I can never get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> so I usually stay up late. So I'm going to say night owl. I'm going to say night owl because I'm usually up pretty late. Something you would tell your younger self. Ooh. So many things. Um, trust yourself. I think is a big one. Trust yourself and just keep going. Yeah. Good one. So I'm really interested for your uh, response to this one because it'll be a little different, I'm sure. Your music therapy elevator speech. <laughs> um, actually, I, I've had individuals, as I tell them, um, I'm going into music therapy. They say, oh, what's music therapy? Mm -hmm. And I typically say it's using music to achieve non-musical goals. Sometimes I'll say... Um, sometimes I'll say, you know, it's very, well, a lot of people will ask, well, what, what do you do with music therapy? Who do you treat with music therapy? And my kind of short answer is, well, any population that you can imagine in a form of therapy can also use music therapy. So, you know, um, uh, mental health um, or uh, psychotherapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, um, all these different types of therapy that treat all these different individuals, you can just substitute music therapy for them. And that, and they go, wow, really? And I'm like, yeah, let me tell you some of the cool things that I've heard about. And you know, different populations and different case studies. And they're like, I had no idea. And, and they usually go, well, it makes sense because music is so powerful. Hmm. And I'm like, there you go. Yes. <laughs> so the evidence-based practice of using powerful, the powerful music, I don't know, but that just yeah. clicked into my head. Make that sound yeah. pretty. And then you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Your favorite self-care practice. Um, recently it's been piano playing. Yeah. Excuse me. And, um, just, uh, I don't know. I've been allowing myself to explore different things on the piano and learning different things on the piano and, um, using that as a means to process all the things that are going through my mind as of late and um that's been my most recent um favorite thing but also cooking is sometimes i sometimes i tell my boyfriend i'm like i am having a bad day i need to cook mm -hmm. we're not buying dinner usually that's the it's like oh it's been a long hard day we're gonna buy dinner i'm like nope i need to cook i need to process yeah <laughs> i wonder is cooking therapy a thing I don't mean to sound ignorant, but I don't know. But if it is, 
then I'm going to find a way to combine music <laughs> and cooking therapy. Because let me tell you, it's, I just love cooking. It's so, uh, it's, yeah, it's my art form. It's my creative outlet and it's my therapy. <laughs> yeah, good for you. Something that's currently adding value to your life. Um, I would say teaching music. Um, and it's really exposing a lot of my shortcomings and places that I want to improve. Um, but it's giving me a purpose of, you know, waking up in the day and these are the lessons I'm teaching and what, what does this individual need and how can I, how can I bring something to the lesson that's just for them? And how can I help them with this one song that they're really struggling with and, and whatnot? So it's allowed me to kind of look outside of myself mm. um, while also working on myself. Yeah. Yeah. That blend of professional and personal development. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so my next question is usually your favorite intervention or song to use in a session. So do you have like a favorite? I know we talked a lot about how you teach lessons and some of your techniques or yeah, spin that how you want. Um, I'll share two things, I guess. So in my lessons, I love doing ear training exercises with my students. Mm -hmm. I feel that musician musicianship is such a big factor in in music lessons and that the more you can hear the more you can create mm -hmm. and so one of my favorite things to do that my my students just love it is a major minor exercise so i just explain on the piano i'll play a major chord and i'll play a minor chord and i'll explain you know how they sound and usually this is with younger kiddos so I'll say, you know, the major chord and I'll play like um, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star in major and then I'll play it in minor. And then I'll say, you know, how did that, how did they sound? And usually they'll be like, oh, the minor sounded sad or angry or spooky or, you know. And so I help them hear the difference. And I say minor sounds kind of happy. And then that major sounds happy, excuse me, major sounds happy and minor sounds kind of sad or spooky. And then I'll play major and minor chords and help them hear the difference. And then I'll have them turn around and not look at the piano. And then I'll play a chord and they have to tell me if it's major or minor. And usually I'll start off by saying, tell me if this sounds happy or if it sounds sad and spooky. And, um, and once they get the hang of that, then, I, then we put in the words major and minor. And it's really fun. They love it. it they just they love and they try to see how quick they can get it. And um, one thing important that I've noticed is if they make a mistake to, sh to let them hear their mistake. So if I play a major chord and they call it minor, then I tell them that it's a major chord and then I play that chord in minor. And I say, this is what the minor sounds like. Now this is what I played, which is major. Do you hear the difference? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, now I hear it. Okay, good. I'll just make sure they hear their mistake. Yeah instead of me just saying, you got that wrong, move on to the next one. Because their ear is still going to think that what they, you know, the, the ear is still going to hear what they heard unless we teach it something differently. So um, that's, uh, 
yeah, that's in regards to teaching. That is one of my favorites. Um, but with with the survey that I've been doing, um, I have already kind of looked at the data, which I was advised not to do after I did it. <laughs> uh, but I couldn't help it. I was too excited. And one of the questions is like, share some songs that have been influential in your uh, coming out process. And it's been so cool to see the songs that people share. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's so many songs I have. A, I kind of made a, um, a Spotify playlist to organize them. And it's been so fun to listen to them and to be like, this is really influential for an individual. And how is this influential for me? Like, what's my story with this? Um, anyway, it's it's been really cool. Uh, but one of the one of the songs that I've loved is "Follow Your Arrow" by Casey Musgraves. Yeah, and it's just it's just this kind of goofy song, and it's kind of like no matter what you do, people are going to judge you. So just follow your arrow and just do your best. And I just always have a smile on my face when I listen to it, and. I love it. It's it's a very motivating song of just like trust yourself, do what you know is best, and if you learn something new, then do something different. But trust yourself. Mm. Yeah, I like that song. I'll have that linked too. Yeah. <laughs> can can we link your Spotify playlist or is that like on the Um not now? yet. That's I want to get all the responses again because I was advised not to look at my data yet. What data? But I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. I... <laughs> it's coming. Coming soon. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So other than the survey, which we're going to link, how and where can the listeners find you and connect with you to say hi and be your music therapy friend? <laughs> yes. Uh, so I'm on Facebook, Lance Reed Merrill. Um, Reed is R-E-E-D and Merrill is M-E-R-R-E-L-L. And Lance is how you normally spell Lance, L-A-N-C. Um, that's probably the best way you can find me. Also, my email, which is the say my full name at gmail.com. Um, that's a good way to, to communicate with me. Um, and yeah, I would love anyone to give a shout out. Uh, and yeah, just love to pick people's brains and learn from them and, and make friends. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for being on the show, for reaching out, for sharing your story and for doing the research that needs to be done. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate it. So thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing that with the listeners. Thank you. Thank you for giving me a space to do so. Of course. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too. you are feeling as inspired and self-motivated after that conversation as I am. Lance truly, just like you said, he sees a goal and he sets his eye on it and he just goes for it. And so many of us 
uh, can use more of that gusto in our lives to get things done, to feel motivated and to see a goal, even if it's a far, far away goal and want to reach it. So I hope that you're feeling that positive energy from this conversation. If you're enjoying the Music Therapy Chronicles, please again consider joining our group on Facebook, finding us on social media, becoming a patron on patreon.com. And if you or someone you know is interested in being on the show, please send an email to feedback at musictherapychronicles.com. That'll go directly to me and we'll set up a time for your interview. I should say that patrons have the exclusive opportunity to ask guest questions. So when I do schedule those interviews, I post that person and um, on patreon.com and patrons can ask whatever question comes to mind about their topic. So please consider doing that. And again, don't forget to subscribe. Our quote this week is a poem I found on Instagram by Leslie Dwight, and it reads... What if 2020 isn't canceled? What if 2020 is the year we've been waiting for? A year so uncomfortable, so painful, so scary, so raw, that it finally forces us to grow. A year that screams so loud, finally awakening us from our ignorant slumber. A year we finally accept the need for change, declare change, work for change, become the change. A year we finally band together instead of pushing each other further apart. 2020 isn't canceled, but rather the most important year of them all. Mm -hmm.